This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get up. Get, get up. Get up. What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast, episode number 149. This is the official podcast of the New York Mets. I haven't thrown that in there, I feel like, recently, but yeah, I mean, we're with the Mets. We're the official one. Pretty cool stuff. We got a lot to talk about in this episode. Of course, it's the offseason, so you know we're going to talk about some rumors. You know we're going to talk about some players that we like, some guys that we want to bring back to this team. You know the drill. I mean, it's pretty simple. We're going to be talking a lot about baseball and the offseason on this episode. If you guys do like what you're listening to, watch it. Make sure you follow us on all our social media, at MetsDup. That's M-E-T-S-D-U-P on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Vito's been killing it with the videos on TikTok and Instagram. So if you want some more extra bonus content for yourself, Go follow us over there. If you're looking for the video, the full video of this, go to the New York Mets YouTube channel. Subscribe. Comes out over there if you want to watch that. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, make sure you download the podcast, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. Download it. It really does help us out. We appreciate it. And without further ado, James, how you doing, man? I haven't, I haven't seen you in a while, actually, I feel like. Relative to our friendship, we actually haven't seen each other in a while. It's been basically a full week. Yeah. Usually we get at least, at least one per weekend. Especially when the baseball season was really kicking, like this was this past week felt like one of the first full weeks where there was just nothing going on after yeah. you know four o'clock. I was like, what do I do with my time? I've been watching a lot of basketball. Anytime you're watching NBA, is you know you got you're free bored. time on your hands. Yeah, <laughs> it was also the first week after daylight savings, and that actually got cold in New York. <sighs> so it was like after five o'clock, it's a killer to hang out with your friends. Absolutely awful. Like. Waking up and then having like three hours of sunlight, depending on what time I wake up. And then just, <laughs> if I wake up at noon, I have what, like four or five hours of sunlight and then it's yeah, just between it's the night five. Again. Yeah, it's hard. It's like we were trying to hang out for football on Sunday and it was like noon and it was cold and I was like, no. Yeah, I was like, I think, I think we'll just stay at home and I'll, I'll see you when I see you. That's kind of how this week's been. There has been a lot going on, though, in the baseball world. I think for some housekeeping stuff, uh, Francisco Lindor won the Marvin Miller Man of the Year Award, right? Is that the mm-hmm. proper mm-hmm. Uh, pronounce, or title? Uh, which is great. We know Lindor does a lot of you know off-the-field stuff, a lot of charity work, and he's the man. We love Francisco Lindor on and off the field. And then we got, uh, we got another Mets Award winner here, Buck Showalter, National League Manager of the Year, which I think was kind of predictable, right? I mean, based on what happened with the Mets in the regular season, at least. I think just based on how much, how well the Mets played during most of the regular season and also just how much baseball loves Buck Showalter, how, how much of a lightning rod him and this Mets team was during the season, I'd say a lot of us saw it coming. It's probably, it's probably very bittersweet, to use one of, the better yeah. word, one of our favorite words in this podcast, to talk about Buck that way. But, I mean, he did, did a very good job during the season. I think a lot of it, too, uh, is... A lot of the teams in the National League that were good or like were good last year or expected to be good just were. And the Mets were kind of one of the few teams. I know the Phillies too, technically, but I think Rob Thompson didn't even finish in the top three, which kind of felt a little bit weird. But 
out of all the teams that like made the playoffs, the Mets were the one that probably had the worst 2021, so it seemed like the biggest turnaround as well. Yeah, the, the most relative overachiever, which is usually how they pre- get the manager of the year. Definitely, but good for Buck. Uh, deserved it. Had a good season for the Mets in the regular season, and you know the rest is history. We're moving on past the 2022 season. I don't think we're going to talk about that much, much anymore. Uh, some things to talk about, though, is we got a player returning. Carlos Carrasco. Cookie Carrasco is back. The Mets picked up his option which is good because we need some starting pitching in this rotation badly. Yeah, the, uh, the Carrasco decision, I think, though, has to be viewed in terms of everything else that happened the last week of Mets World, which, as Carrasco as, uh, option was picked up for about $15 million, the Mets, at the, in the same moment, did not extend Taiwan Walker a qualifying offer with, for $20 million. So it's different of cost there, a different skill, difference in skill, difference in age difference in career acumen and I think that it's worthwhile for Mark and I especially to have a conversation now about the difference of those two pitchers maybe why a contract was offered to one maybe why it wasn't to offer to another and just the general differences of what those two could bring to the team next year yeah and again can't stress enough we we don't actually know why this is just us talking about it we are the official podcast fans but we know nothing we really know nothing at the end of the day besides you know what our personal opinions are and I don't know. To me, it seems like I think I think the five million dollars definitely plays into it. Not that there's sure. a salary cap, but with the Mets who are approaching that, you know, the Steve Cohen tax threshold, essentially, you have to save your dollars when you can. And I think saving that five million, especially when maybe Taiwan would take that qualifying offer if it was given to him, uh, I think it does play a big thing. Especially when you saw a guy like Tyler Anderson who had a really good year last year, just signed for three for thirty nine, right? Which felt not cheap. But it is cheap when you compare it to twenty million a year. Yeah, and I also think the big difference is that you have an option on Carlos Carrasco, so it's a it's a guarantee that when that's you you can be like Carlos Carrasco is now on this team. Even just extending the qualifying offer to Taiwan Walker meant that you would have foregone the option on Carrasco if it was one or the other, which it might have kind of seemed like. There was no guarantee for a couple of days that he would have taken it or not. So, and we mentioned last episode that the Mets had lost. At the time of last episode, 900 innings pitch from the yeah. Major League team last year. It was almost like the the one in the hand, two in the bush analogy, Definitely. where you need to kind of guarantee some innings back on your Major League rotation, where if it is an option one or the other, and one costs $5 million more, and that same one, even if you offer him the similar amount of money, more, of course, there was no guarantee in that moment that this was going to be something that was going to happen next year. It did make a lot of sense, but... In terms of skill and age, I do understand why some Mets fans might have been a little bit confused by the Mets decision, but I think when you consider the guarantee of the innings and the difference in cost, $5 million, it makes some more sense. I mean, listen, we know Mets Twitter is a little bit, a little crazy, a little little hot take sometimes, a little overreactive, a little bit of a roller coaster up and down. So they're a little nuts, but yeah, I mean, I think... If you look at the players side by side, I think there definitely is a conversation of like which one you would rather prefer. But I also think there's a world where Taiwan is welcome back. It's just not on the qualifying offer. Just because the Mets didn't give it to him, I don't think it means that there's no chance that Taiwan doesn't come back to the Mets next season either. And I don't think that's not out of play. Taiwan Walker very clearly had the best season of his career last year with the Mets, followed up on what in 2021 was the best half of his career in the first half. Yeah, His splitter coming on this year was instrumental. It became one of his most thrown pitches. It was incredibly whiffable. 
it, it really changed his complexion as a starting pitcher, and it led to a very, very, very successful season for him. Where he threw 160 innings, he won 12 games, 3.5 ERA, 3.6 FIP. Like he, Taiwan's breakout was real this year, and he's only turning 30, and I really think he is due a big payday. And that's why I do think that even if they did extend him the qualifying offer, there was an outside chance he wasn't going to take it because yeah. you have very few chances as a starting pitcher in your career to guarantee multi-year a multi-year contract, and this Taiwan's opportunity to do so. So I do think that was the big if if I was the one analyzing these two pitchers side by side, the fact that Taiwan Walker was in such a good position that there was a good chance he wasn't even going to accept that qualifying offer. It kind of superseded the value of that first round pick based on the fact how many innings that the, this Mets team needed right now to where opting for Carlos Carrasco makes more sense. And I think we should also talk about this pick thing too because we just saw it happen with Tyler Anderson. Now, I think Taiwan, if he does sign with a different team, would probably get more money than what Tyler Anderson just got, especially because the age and that splitter being a real thing. And you now do have 320 innings of pitching from him the last two years. But Whenever you extend the qualifying offer, I think people always think you're going to get a first-round pick when you get when that guy gets signed. It always has to do with, I think, the money in the years, right, and the, where they classify the player in terms of other free agents. And I think Tyler Anderson ended up getting the Dodgers a fourth-round pick. So it's like the pick at times also really isn't as valuable as it's sometimes made out to be, and I really do think it came down to like risk value here with Taiwan and Carrasco. And probably at the end of the day, the fact that real skill-wise, they're both perceived similarly in a one-year yeah, context, which is exactly what the two options were, be it Carrasco, his vesting option, Taiwan, his qualifying offer, possibly being accepted. And you add the $5 million added cost, and you add the risk that he may not have accepted that qualifying offer. I think it became a situation where, okay, this is the guy to do it. I also, that's not to say that I'm sure there weren't conversations the Mets had, I don't know, possibly to move Carrasco because they still have the rights to him. Like I'm sure Possibly, they were, yeah. I'm sure there was a lot of creativity involved here. But at the end of the day, when you look at Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker, similar skill, similar projection. Taiwan five million dollars more. Taiwan a three day risk where you had to deal with maybe he wasn't going to sign. You needed the innings, and that's the decision that was made. Hundred percent. And I I think it'll be all right. I think they'll be all right. Uh, Mets Mets have a lot of bigger moves, more important moves that need to be made this off season. One being Brandon Nimmo and or center field who will be playing it. And I feel like we, when we were writing the notes and having this conversation a few days ago, this was something that we really wanted to talk about because as we want Brandon Nimmo back as, as so much bad. as anybody could. And I'm sure everyone in the Mets feels the same way. I mean, the guy's a ball player. He's so good. He's unbelievably good, criminally underrated. But there is a real world where someone offers, like the Rockies offer him an insane amount of money and you just, you can't beat it. So trying to figure out if it's not Nimmo what the center field options could be. And it's not Brandon Nimmo, which I don't like, but there's, I think, possibilities for sure. It's possibilities, but it's kind of, it should feel like a little bit of deja vu for Mets fans because I feel like for the last collection of years, especially since Carlos Beltran went away, which doesn't feel like that long of time, but actually is an incredibly long amount of time right now, it's, it's, it's been very hard to find a center fielder that's reliable, that's good on both sides of the field, by both sides of the field, I mean offense and defense. And that's kind of the conundrum of modern baseball, especially based on the way service time works, because you need to be in the major leagues for six years to become a free agent. By the time you're in the major league six years, usually you're outside of your athletic prime or on the edge of your athletic prime. So you're not really going to be that good of a center field defender if at the moment for very long at all. And if Brendan Nemo is to sign somewhere else this year, you're now looking at a, a Kevin Kiermeyer, 
throwback Kevin Pillar, Jake Marisnik. Well, that's yeah, that's on the free agent market too, though, because I think at the I think the center field trade market is a little bit more what you would have to look at. But it's it's like such a it's a needle. You have to thread the needle so perfectly with these guys because like I think the most tradable one would probably be a Ramon Laureano, but he had a a struggle of a 2022 season. I still like him if I want Brandon Nimmo, but if not, I mean, I think I'd look at Loriano. I also feel like the conversation has been about Marte maybe playing center um, as well, which I, he's probably still going to be a good center fielder at this age, but we also saw all the muscle injuries that he had last year, and putting him in center field, as we know, is just going to be significantly more wear and tear. I like Marte way more in right field right now. I think that... um I don't know. I think I feel like the training for a center fielder issue is a little bit understated just because if a team is halfway competitive and this not doesn't have to do with Loriano, but they're never gonna trade their center fielder. And if the team knows they have a good center fielder and they're not good, they're gonna hold your feet to the fire and try and get as much as possible for your center fielder. In that case, I do think about the Oakland Athletics because they have very few assets, an underwhelming farm system. And Ramon Loriano, while he only had a sixty eighty OPS last year, you could argue that in terms of his bat, he's on the fringe of being not a starting caliber major league player for very much longer. That team knows that he right now is probably their most attractive and most tradable asset. And if you are calling for him, especially in terms of where the center field market is right now, they're going to try and get a ransom for him. And there's really no guarantee that he actually ever is above above league average with the bat again. I want to think he is, and he'll definitely be above league average with the glove, but you might just be getting a guy who's going to, who's going to hit like 220, 290, 400, a slash line with, I don't know, like a, like a 700 OPS while playing great defense. And is that is that a guy you want to be giving up assets for where the mess farm system is right now is yeah. is a valuable question to ask. Well, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, okay, let me give you two names then because I think these are probably going to be the two. Maybe one of them won't be, but I think these are probably the two hottest names in terms of the center field trade market. And which one do you think has the best chance to move? Brian Reynolds, Byron Buxton. Weirdly similar names as well for the first yeah. names. <laughs> Especially for how different the players they are. Those are incredibly similar names. Like, they, they are and they are incredibly different. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think Brian Reynolds is very good. But I also think while he's very good, he's probably not anywhere near as good of a center fielder as Brandon Nemo. Correct. On, either, Correct. on either side of the ball. Correct. And especially in terms of defense, where he had a poor year after a very good one. He did really rebound hard with the bat this year. After a very bad first two months, he just once again was a well above average hitter. But I do think the acquisition cost will be a lot for Brian Reynolds. While I think oh, he definitely. is, he's incredibly available, significantly more than Byron Buxton, who I don't think is actually available at all. I think cause just because how wonderfully team-friendly his contract is, Reynolds will cost you at least a Brett Beatty, in my opinion. If I, was to, if I was to project the trade market, I think he would cost a near-major league available high-end asset because he is, he's young, he's controllable, he plays a premium position, and he's good. The, he, and he, like, there's not that many guys like that. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. I don't know if Beatty would... I, I think, like... The name we always throw out is Ronnie, but then for the Pirates, like, what do you need Ronnie for? Because you no, I mean, they, the Pirate, the Pirates want a guy who's a little bit more controllable and plays a different position. Even though they the probably, Pirates, I guess if you think of position, they have key Brian Hayes, so Betty doesn't make sense. But just in terms of literal value, I don't think that I don't think most of the guys the Mets have in the system are enough. Like, I really think they okay. would want a marquee type of guy because Reynolds is was he twenty six right now as a center he is, field? He's going to be twenty eight next year. Okay, so a little bit older, but he still has at least two more years of team control. Twenty twenty six free agency. Okay, so three more years of team control. Yeah, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, twenty six. Four more years. Of team no, control. no, no. Twenty six. He's gone. Twenty six. Because okay. you have to remember after like, the twenty five season. Yes. Yes. After okay. the twenty five season. 
that's a lot. That's you, you're buying all of the arbitration, which for a guy like Brian Reynolds is incredibly valuable. I really, I think that if you talk about value proposition, like I'd rather just re-sign Brian Nimmo for as much money as it costs. That's my number one choice. Yeah. Brandon, I've, I've, I've said it on this podcast last episode, Brandon Nimmo to me is the number one most important guy that the Mets have to bring back. I think he completely changes the outlook of this team offensively and defensively by having him in center field every single day. I think something funny about this conversation is heading back to the trade deadline and remembering the Yankees trade of Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bather and the fact that the initial public response to that trade was defaming the Yankees, talking about how stupid <laughs> it was. But then you kind of wait a month and you wait another month and you realize that the Yankees pitching and how deep it is and just how many elite like fireballers they have Jordan Montgomery was probably never going to be a guy who ever started a playoff game for them ever, especially not in Yankee Stadium. And now you look yeah. at Harrison Bather, who is controllable, he's young, he has power, and he plays elite defense. Almost every team in baseball wants a guy like that. And the Cardinals are a team that routinely has a, a spoiling of riches, how many outfielders they're able to develop and how many outfielders, good outfielders, are able to give away for nothing. I envy that. I, I tip my cap to how many outfielders the Cardinals waste on a yearly basis. <laughs> but, I mean, Harrison... <laughs> Every team wants a guy like Harrison Bather, and I give the Yankees credit for having the foresight to make a move like that because I wish he was available in the trade market right now for the Mets to go after. Yeah, it was a mutually beneficial trade for both. Uh, that's enough Yankee praise here. That's enough Yankee praise. I, I praise the Yankees for all the regular season moves. I know once they get <laughs> they're going to lose. Shout out our friend Ernie, the, the biggest Jonathan VR fan on Twitter because he owes yes. me a steak dinner still because I bet him the Yankees will finish higher than the Blue Jays this year, and I'm looking very much looking forward to that. But... That was a good move. It's very hard to get a good center fielder. We've known it as Mets fans for a very long time. We finally got one, and there's a there's a there's an outside chance it's ripped away from us, and it makes me very anxious. The last guy I want to talk about for a possible center field, and you know which one this is, because I I diving deeper into the numbers, Brian De La Cruz is ready to pop. Now, can he play center field? Probably not. But this guy at the plate, there's something there. His barrel rate was similar to Julio Rodriguez this year, similar to J Rod. Something's there. Something's there. That's all I'm saying. Brian De La Cruz, we know how much he kills the Mets. He's freaking Barry Bonds when he plays us. And yeah, bring him to maybe like playing in City Field. There's just there's no way a Marlins team who's dying, dying for any offensive <laughs> any any offensive potential at all is gonna trade a guy with what five years of team control like Brian yeah. De La Cruz has. Twenty twenty eight he becomes a free there's, agent. <laughs> there's just simply no way you get him like that unless you trade a premium prospect. I think the guy that makes Let more sense staying in the division is Lane Thomas from the Nationals. That's I could see the Nationals dealing him because he is being upgraded this year to being arbitration eligible, and he's probably going to be due anywhere between $1.5 and $2.5 million as like a moderately productive player who can play some defense in center field. I think he's actually realistic. I don't think it's likely at all, just because teams hold on to their center fielders like grim death because they know how hard it is to get another one. If there's anybody that could be available in trades, probably Brian Reynolds and Lane Thomas, but... Reynolds is going to cost a lot, and Lane Thomas, I just I just think the Nationals are probably like, why don't we see what we have instead of acquiring a 19-year-old? Lane Thomas has been your, that's been your boy for a while now. And he's, 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 just, he's just a quality ball player. He's the kind of guy you put in the team and the machine keeps moving. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Did you see the quality ball player the Mets picked up today, though? I did, Mr. Ridings. Very excited about Steven Ridings. Now, 
you guys might remember, he came up with the Yankees in 2021, 2021, I believe. Yeah. I think he threw like five innings, and he, he's an electric factory. I, I can't even believe, this is going to like probably be a little hyperbole, a little over or overplaying it, but I can't believe the Mets got Steven Writings. Like, this guy has a live arm. He's performed well. It seems like too good to be true. I think that, um, I don't know. I just think there's such a fruitful reliever market every single offseason that a lot of these guys with this insane stuff just kind of slip through the cracks because every team is up against the crunch in their 40-man roster. Every team is up against the crunch in a 26-man roster, and teams are up against the crunch in the luxury tax. So a guy like Ryan can just kind of slip through, and you can sign him for a very, very medium, uh, minimal deal. And you know what? He threw, he's 6'8", and he throws 100 miles an hour. Like, What yep. else do you really need to say? Yeah, no, and I I think he has like a wipeout wipeout second pitch as well. I don't remember whether it's a, a if it's a sweeper esque or whatnot, but I believe he's got some wipeout stuff. So I'm I'm excited as excited as you can get about a waiver wire pickup in uh, on November fifteenth. But Stephen Ridings that made me happy, especially because I, I got some Yankee fan friends who are like they were big Stephen Ridings guy. They're like, what happened? He's got something's got to be wrong. Why would we let him go? He's too good. I mean, it's also easy to forget a guy like that who came from Haverford College, like no, no, absolutely no hype whatsoever. And he, it's a, it's a slider. The other pitch is a slider, and okay. it is regarded as seemingly pretty, pretty, pretty well. Yeah. But that fastball is the one. It's the marquee pitch. The only thing is that it isn't like elite in terms of his physics, his moving profile. It is much more of a of a right of a of a slider instead of a riser. Not saying it, it slides, but just there's more horizontal movement than upward movement. It runs Even, is what you yeah, mean to say. Yeah. It runs, yeah. Sorry, thank you for fixing my words there. But he's 6'8", and he throws it really hard, so it's great to have him in because we need relievers so bad. Yeah, I know you've, you've definitely done some of your deep diving because you are the reliever whisperer, pitcher whisperer, however you want to phrase it. I'm, I can't wait to hear some of the names because the Mets definitely have some spots that need to be filled in the bullpen. Seth Lugo's a free agent. Trevor May is a free agent. Who else? Uh, Adam Adovino is a free agent right now. Am I forgetting anybody else? It was Edmund Diaz, but not anymore. Uh, yeah, so there's definitely some arms that need to be replaced. Um, we did bring in Tyler's, Tyler Taylor Salcedo? I think Tyler Salcedo. Okay, yeah, from the Blue Jays, left-hander reliever. But uh, what, what about some of the guys on the free agent market that you like? <laughs> I feel like this is going to become something of like a weekly segment in this show. It's like James breaks down obscure free agents. This, and, uh, well, that's like what you did in your articles, too, when you were writing yeah. them at first, right? Yeah, and I'm very, I'm very happy to hold, you know, to hold that crown, but... I want to I want to just very quickly, very briefly deep dive into four free agents who are going to cost basically nothing. Who I think that as the Mets are going about this free agent process, it seems like it's very clear that they're first of all they definitely want to re-sign Brandon Nemo and Jacob Degrom. They've made that abundantly clear to the media outwardly. Yep. I also want to make abundantly clear that Mark and I know nothing about the Mets free agent process. We are we 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 while we're associated with the team, we are fans first <laughs> and fans second and absolutely fans third. That is our affiliation right there, hundred percent. And then afterwards, that that you guys know. But it just seems like based on the way this market is developing and how many innings the Mets need, that it's Brandon Nimmo, it's Jacob Degrom, it's front like starting pitching. And then maybe it's it's big fish hunting. It's filling out the bench, and then we're going to figure out the relievers afterwards, right? Yeah, definitely. I think because of like you said, the reliever market relatively being so robust, and just being able to essentially make these guys out of thin air, which is what you're going to talk about, is these guys in a way. There's no reason to prioritize going after guys like we we saw Robert Suarez sign for fifty million or whatever it was, and Rafael Montero. 
that was going to be my next point. That it seems like the reliever market this year is a little bit heightened be- just because they've, they've been the first guys to sign between Diaz, Montero, and Suarez. There's been a massive, massive amount of guaranteed money. Almost all of the guaranteed money until today, Tuesday when we're recording, was given out to relief pitchers. So I think and Anthony Rizzo with, coming back to the Yankees too. Well, that happened today on Tuesday, which is very, oh, and, yeah. and the uh, and the Tyler Anderson deal. Those are the first two deals that really kickstarted the market here. But four relievers, I'm going to go into right now, very briefly, about a minute on each. <laughs> just guys who. For no reason whatsoever, I really think they have a chance to be very successful in their career, future career. The first one is going to be Kyle Crick. Kyle Crick is a guy who was originally a part of, I believe, the Joe Musgrove trade between the Astros and the Pirates way back when. That sounds right. Okay, I was going to say, he wasn't with the Pirates. Either him or Cole. Uh, Let me look. I'm looking it up real quick. He was a part of the, no, he was a part of the Brian Reynolds-Andrew McCutcheon trade. Interesting. Wow. Yes. Well, I'm confusing my Pirates trades. Shame on me. But he's had some major, major, major injuries over the last few years. He had a shoulder. He had an elbow. He had a lat. Just all the worst possible injuries you want to see for a pitcher Kyle Crick has had over the last three years, which is a shame because he had a lot of a lot of potential as a prospect. But despite all of the hardships, Kyle Crick, as he was as a young player, still has an absolutely unbelievable slider. It misses tons of bats. He throws it harder than average. It is Still a wipeout pitch. It was last year, and it will be in the future. He also, very importantly, developed a sinker last year that kind of superseded a fastball that has consistently been below average. Those two pitches together could make him, once again, an above-average reliever. He will be basically free and a front project in the exact same ilk. A guy who I talked about with Mark probably years ago. I don't even know if he remembers. Jarrell Cotton. I'll who, never forget Jarrell Cotton because I believe he's once like an incredibly unique name, and I feel like every single year that at least... I've been friends with you. I've heard something about Jarrell Cotton. And I've I've known about him from like playing MLB the show. He always had like a potential as a free agent and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, pick up Jarrell Cotton, trade him, let's do it. He's a former huge prospect. I believe he went to TCU, but I actually could be wrong about that. But he was a first round pick. He had very bad injuries. He didn't pitch in 2018, 19, or 20. He came back in 2021 as a relief pitcher, and then the Giants actually picked him up in the last two months of the past season and Really, really, we reworked his repertoire in a way that made him seem like he could be a plus reliever in the future. He threw significantly less fastballs, some less sliders, many, many more changeups, which has always, always been his out pitch. That pitch was a 60 grade on Fangraph. So in terms of the uh, scouting grade for pitchers, you go from 20 to 80, 50 is average, 60 is plus, 70 you never see, 80 is Wander Franco's hit grade, just to give people <laughs> a sense of where these prospect scouting grades come from. Through many more of those changeups and some more curveballs, a pitch that has been developed for him more recently. Those two pitches both have elite movement profiles. His fastball's not that good, but that kind of would make sense after all the massive injuries he had, losing all velocity he's lost. Slider is good. The fact that he is throwing four pitches as a reliever, I think, is very, very important. That's a just amazing way to keep hitters off balance. And the fact that a team like the Giants, while they took a flyer on him, they also did release him. So it probably does give us a sense that maybe his potential is a little bit limited. I think that just having that many pitches, having the pedigree he has, he's someone who's very interesting, very, very similar. Transition again, Jimmy Nelson. I'm sure everyone remembers Jimmy Nelson for his very fantastic season 2018 with the Brewers. Maybe yep. that's just me. I'm being a little no, facetious. <laughs> Top 10 I, to Cy Young voting. I, we, I have a weird personal story with Jimmy Nelson. So he was like big into gaming when he ended up getting that injury after diving back to first base when he was taking a lead. And he started streaming a lot of MLB The Show, so he became friendly with a lot of the guys in the MLB The Show community. At uh, at spring training the next year, like one of my friends, Healy, who you've met, shout out, my boy Healy, was like, we got to go see Jimmy. We got to go see Jimmy. He's making his first appearance since he got the injury, blah, blah, blah. Went to go see him. Jimmy said it was very nice of him, so he's a nice guy, nice gentleman. 
Oh, he seems like a very nice guy. And he did miss basically three entire years, 19, 20, and 20. Uh, no, he maybe had a good year in 17, 18, 18, 18, 20, 22. That's the years he's missed. Okay, there you go. Shoulder injuries, back injuries. He came back, and he was incredible in 2021. I, I probably annoyed the crap out of the mark because I talked about him ad nauseum. He had 38% <laughs> strikeout rate in 30 innings. He had a high walk rate. It was 11%, but he just he just had this un, un, unbelievable curveball with a high rising fastball and a very good slider, a little bit of that sweeper. We talked about the last episode. The Dodgers were teaching their pitchers. And then Tommy John happened in the middle of that season, completely derails his breakout. But he's on the road back right now. He's a current free agent. The Dodgers did decline his option after holding on to him last year, which does, again, like Jarrell Cotton, make me think that maybe it is cooked. Maybe it's cooked. But I don't know. I still think there's probably a little bit of life in that arm. The way he pitched in 2021 was just so, so... It gives me a lot of hope for him. The f- nearly 40% strikeout rate is near the top of the league. Like that yeah. is That would be top 10 among relievers any single year in Major League Baseball. And the way he's pitching that year makes me can get back to there. And we're and not that, trying to find you know the next Edwin Diaz. No, 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 we're no, trying no. to find little pieces to sprinkle in. These are guys who are going to be free, who probably will only have to get an invitation to spring training, who could actually become plus during the season. The last guy actually is someone who's actually real. He's not coming off a major debilitating injury. He's not, <laughs> he's not being released. It's Zach Littell who comes from the San Francisco Giants. He, this year, pitched many innings for the Giants. They used him a lot in a bulk role, which I don't think really suited the way he's ever pitched in his career. He's always been a reliever, but he was consistently a guy who either started games ahead of openers or would come in after an opener and just pitch like two, two and a half innings for no reason whatsoever. He has a very, 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 very good slider and a fantastic splitter that he has just picked up in the last year and a half with the Giants. He only threw about 5% of the time in 2021. They went up to almost 15% of the time in 2022. The pitch was elite in terms of movement, in elite turns of whiff rate, and I think those two pitches learn with a fastball that, while not great, is about average. Zach Littell is a very underrated relief pitcher in this market who will not be signing very much money. I'd be shocked if he gets a second year in whatever contract he does sign, who has plenty of potential as a guy who probably got squeezed out of incredibly, incredibly competitive Giants bullpen rotation and could go to a team that has a lot of openings like the Mets. Dude, uh, what is this, the, the Giants and Padre, or, uh, Dodgers episode? <laughs> we have Those four guys have all crossed paths. With Giants and Dodgers at some point in their careers, which, good organizations, I'll say it, good organizations. Especially in terms of pitching development, you'd be hard-pressed to find organizations better. The Guardians, the Rays, the Giants, the Dodgers, those are the gold standard, and those teams are going to have a little bit more compacted rosters than most other teams in baseball, especially in terms of their pitching. So if they don't have room for guys, it doesn't necessarily kill them. It means maybe you should take a closer look at them. Yeah, and I mean... Like we said, the relief market is so interesting because James just gave you four guys that are going to be free, invites to spring training type stuff. Maybe not, you know, Zach Littell, but the other three. And this is how you have to get creative with the bullpen. You see the Rays do it every single year. They just got rid of a bunch of good players and good prospects because they didn't want to put them on their 40-man or keep them on there so that they had space. You have to be able to recycle in these pitcher, these relief pitchers and just kind of plug and play a little bit. And it's about having quality arms and guys with plus stuff rather than dudes who throw like 91 and don't have anything. Adam Alvino last year signed a $4 million one-year contract with the Mets. And he became free. one of the most essential relievers in the entire league. Kevin Gaussman a few years ago was bouncing around as a reliever for the Braves and the Reds before he caught with the Giants, and they find, found a way to fine-tune his repertoire and do it. The best thing about evaluating pitching is that these guys can reappear as someone completely new with a tweak here and a tweak there. And sometimes it's it's really not, oh, Adam Alvino also turned 36 two days ago. Happy birthday to Adam. Happy birthday, Adam. 
it's finding pitchers is such a unique and fun game. It's the kind of, it's the thing that drew me the baseball analysis in the beginning. And just the fact of how, like how much of a meritocracy it is, where if you find this guy and you find one thing to change, one thing to adjust, one thing to improve, you can completely change the outlook and give yourself the best investment you had in the entire off season. That's the most fun part of it. The most fun part of the battle. And that's what I'm going to bring you some strange pictures every single episode. That's what you get from us. That's what you get from us, especially from James. You're going to get some weird pictures. This guy's been money the last few years. I'm sure he's going to hit again this year. I told Mark about Ranger Suarez in 2019, just, yes. just to say it. Before Kendall Ranger Graveman. Suarez was anybody. Yeah, Kendall Graveman was a wild one. Because <laughs> he was like debatably like irrelevant. Literally, shout out Pitcher List because they do uh, a fun thing every year where they will produce a gif of every single pitch in baseball. Every single pitcher, every single pitch they have. And when I was first starting out there, going through baseball, analyzing for the first time, I was on that staff because I was like, I want to look at pitchers' pitches. And when you just look at the pitchers' pitches and you see how many they have and you see how they move, sometimes you're like, holy crap. This guy's actually good. Like, oh, something's yeah. just wrong. And that's why we talked about Vince Velasquez in the last episode. A guy like Chad Cool has never been good. I guarantee you. <laughs> I guarantee you Chad Cool has one year in his career where he's good. I guarantee it. There's no doubt in my mind. And that's the most fun part about this game. Yeah, no. I mean, it's finding the fun guys. And then I feel like to kind of wrap up the roster talk here, too, and something that we prioritized a lot last year was filling out this roster. 26 men. We need 26 ball players, guys that are going to make an impact on this team. We applaud the Giants for you know in 2021 for how they used their roster and maximized all 26 spots. Everybody was used, and I think that's something that we want to see the Mets continue. I think it was improved upon in 2022, but it's important to have a really strong bench. And right now, I mean, what's the bench looking like? We got Guillaume on the bench. <laughs> we should, we, yeah, we should talk about this. Fangraphs updated their roster resource, which is their tool to help just fans who is on each roster and what role they're expected to have in terms of fan graphs, internal projections. And they updated it on Monday, Monday this week. So okay. we have a sense right now. Guillaume actually Mark is in the mess starting lineup because they have Guillaume at second, Jeff McNeil in the outfield, starting Marte in center. Oh. So as of right now, the Mets current bench on roster resource, get ready for this. It's a four man bench. Okay. And Mets be. fans are really going to be excited to hear this one. James McCann. Okay. <laughs> Darren Ruff, Mark Vientos, and Dominic Smith. Sounds like a lot of the same players. <laughs> a lot of the it same sounds kind like, of players. It sounds like a spot, yeah, it sounds like a spot on this roster that might need to be upgraded if the Mets want to continue on their quest for a World Series championship. And definitely. I do think that especially with the way this roster is shaping up right now, the fact that we already have two catchers. We have Guillaume as the utility backup infielder. We have Daniel Vogel back as what's expected to be probably a part-time DH turning 30 years old for almost no money whatsoever. It's, it's imperative for this Mets team this offseason to find guys who are going to be multi... What's the word I'm looking for here? Multi-eligible, multi-faceted, multi-talented? Faceted was the word that came to my head, but I didn't know if it was correct because I don't... I, I wasn't quite sure, but yeah, no, we need to have uh, flexible players, I think. Yes, not not, not in terms of uh, limberness, but in terms of position availability or ability to play multiple positions. I mean, I'd argue a, in terms of flexibility as well. Like, I want well, these yeah. guys to actually do be also flexible. I want some athletic ability. When I went to Mariner's spring training right before COVID, I saw Ichiro, and he was stretching, I kid you not, for three hours that's all he did was stretch and you know what Ichiro never did in his career he never got hurt that guy just stretched and stretched and stretched and stretched and he can touch his toes behind his back I mean he's the most flexible guy I've ever seen at a baseball field and he's in incredible shape at like 48 years old or however old he is now but yeah we want some limberness on this team as well but I mean like 
I'm not saying this player, but just to kind of give a maybe a more of a scope, I think like a Jonathan VR esque player. I thought really you were going to say Joey Wendell. <laughs> well, Joey Wendell would fit great. I, I love Joey Wendell. I, I would take any, I, you know, any kind of Joey Wendell time, even though he, him and Guarme are the same. But can I say something funny? Yeah, I think I think you might see a little bit of what you saw yourself as a baseball player in Joey Wendell, and that's why oh, you like him so much. Oh, I think you also kind of look like him. I look no, I don't look like Joey Wendell. I think you look might look a little bit like Joey Wendell. Listen the same, the same slender frame, not that tall, no batting gloves. I really think that you, as no. a baseball player, <laughs> held some eerie similarities to Mr. Wendell. Shockingly similar similarities. We don't play a position, we just played all over the place. You know Joey Wendell caught at some point in his career, and it was just like, this isn't my this is I'm not the best catcher. I'm good, but it's not I'm not the best. I can give you value elsewhere. And Scrappy. if he didn't, if he didn't, he would have. Yes, a hundred percent. He's he's scrappy. He's he's gritty. I, you you called it. You called it. I see a lot of myself in Joey Wendell. That's why I like him. Fine, you win. But it does play off what that we've been calling for this Mets team for years now, where we need a bench. Every team in baseball needs a bench that's flexible. You need guys to be able to do different things because guys need off days. We saw at the end of the year that it seemed like this Mets team just it, it was it was a lot. This entire season was a lot. They were going balls to the wall as long as possible. And you just like it's hard to do that as a human being in any in any profession, any yes. facility for that extended period of time. Every single day, day after day, Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso played 161 games each. Like not many players in baseball do that, especially not year over year. You need guys who can do a lot of different things to spell these guys, give them breaks, and give your manager the the manager of the year, the reigning manager of the year, the four time manager of the year, Bug Showalter, opportunities to find find advantages late in games. And there's, there's plenty of opportunities, and I'm very confident in the Mets front office and being able to find those opportunities and find the guys to fill this bench and make that possible. But we're just stressing, as the Mets currently have a full-time first baseman, a full-time DH, to maybe not be upset, Mets Twitter, if we miss out on a J.D. Martinez, a Jose Abreu, a Jesse Winker, as guys like that become available. Because as those guys are, one, recognizable names, which you know is the number one part that Mets Twitter wants, a name they know, a name they can say, a name they can talk about on Thanksgiving dinner. Where's Aaron Loop? Where's our lefty reliever? (laughs) We need Aaron Loop. We need Aaron Loop. This Mets team would have gone all the way if they signed Aaron Loop last year. Oh, wait, he had an ERA over four, like everyone knew he would. (laughs) But you have to ex- exhibit a little bit of restraint in seeing that maybe there are some different types of players this roster could need. Speed, defense, athleticism. Also, of course, we still do need power. I'm not saying yes. we don't need power. This Mets team very much needed power last year. But there probably are different avenues to get that and develop it rather than the guys that we all know. 100%. And, I mean, like, we have Brett Beatty, too, who's going to be a part of this team as well. You would imagine. Mark Vientos. Mark Vientos. Like, there's, there's, there's young guys that are going to step in. Francisco Alvarez. Uh, a lot of guys who could fill out this bench, too. We just we want a lot of good players. Because you know what you can never have too many of, James? Good players. Good players. I mean, never can have too many. I mean, that, that's like the Trey Turner debate. There were, we said last episode, there were so many Mets fans being like, why do we need Trey Turner? We have Francisco Lindor. We have Jeff like, McGill. Yes. Uh, get we, more. The, more. The best teams of baseball don't think about, oh, this guy plays this position. No. Get another elite player, put him on the roster, and it'll all work itself out because they're all baseball players. These guys all want to win so bad. These guys are so committed to what's going on here on this team and in this city right now. So get the guys, and we'll work it out. 100%. 100%. And uh, I don't know. We're, we're going to—we got a lot of offseason left. We got a lot. And we're just going to keep dropping some names for you in and out 
here and there. James is going to get the pitchers. I'm going to find you some weird hitters to talk about probably for the next episode because I don't think we can divulge too much into the minutia of the the guys who aren't the stars on this team anymore. I mean, I'll, I'll do it literally all offseason. I know I know Vito doesn't want us to because he wants us to be you know marketable and TikTokable, <laughs> but but goddamn it, we're gonna we're gonna spit some baseball. We're gonna we're gonna talk baseball. That's what we do. That's why that's why the Mets like us because we talk about ball. Talk about ball. I mean, you want to give a couple of weird ones right now? Like, you know uh, what? I bet, I bet, I bet, Jace Peters will be useful in this roster. I got. I was looking at names because I was like, are we going to drop some now? I'll drop a couple. I'll, I'll, I'll give you three names. I'm going to give you three names. Jerks and Profar. I was going to look at him. Would fit really well. Uh, Donovan Solano. What? I've been saying Donovan Solano's name for years. Chad Pinder. All good ones. Chad Pinder, <laughs> such a sneaky barrel rate. Such a sneaky barrel rate the last few years. Better than league average. He plays everywhere. He pitched. <laughs> I mean, everyone in Oakland pitched. The team was losing every single game they played. Yeah. But, these, I mean, these are just guys. They're ball players. Get some freaking ball players. Aledmiz Diaz, the Astros liked him enough to hit him fifth in the World Series. Although, we did yeah. see he was, he crumbled under any <laughs> sort of pressure. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe Houston was too big of a city for Aledmiz. <laughs> I mean, I'll say, we'll say before, Mitch Hanniger. I know Mitch Hanniger could really do some damage. You know, here's a fun one. that I'm sure Mets fans would like to hear this. Is there a non-zero chance that Michael Conforto is not? I'm not gonna say on the Mets because we don't want to put we don't want to put words in people's mouths. But he's gonna be back in baseball next year, and yes. he could he could really help a team play. He just he feels if the Orioles want to get like some crazy power production out of nowhere, it feels like Michael Conforto playing in that park in right field. Anthony Santander hit 35 home runs this year, or whatever it was. Anthony Santander's a really good ball player. No, I know he's good, but I'm saying like Michael Conforto's had some big years playing at City Field, as as we know, doesn't really allow home runs. There's so many options to go. That's the best part about the offseason. There's so many different directions the team could go. The Mets signed Steven Rivings today. No one and even we, was kidding. We didn't even talk about Steven Rivings last episode. No. We're talking about nine random pitchers. No one even considered Steven Rivings. He hasn't pitched in a year. And look, they got him. <laughs> now we're excited. It's the best part. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Yeah, I mean, you guys know we're we're just gonna be talking a lot of baseball all off season. I mean, that's what makes it great. We're uh we're we're big baseball fans. That's what we do. And I feel like there's just quick one last guy to talk about, and I think we'll dive deeper into him in a different episode because we have been kind of running a little bit longer here. But Kodai Senga, I feel like is the hot name right now on the market. Japanese pitcher, 29 years old, coming from the Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks, which that's in the MPB. If you guys didn't know, out in Japan, dude's a pitcher, and he's coming to the United States. He is. He'll be 30 on opening day. I feel like, as Mark said, he is hot right now. Michael Mayer had a tweet that went semi-viral of, ho- of him allegedly throwing 102 miles an hour. 
Well, he has gotten there. I don't think that's the kind of pitcher that Kodai Sanga is. And but I do want to tell you about him, you guys about him, because he's very good. He's been an ace in the MPB for the last few years. He's thrown at least 130 innings in six of seven seasons. Two of those, he went over 175 innings. 28% strikeouts, 9% walks over those same seven seasons. He led the MPB in strikeouts 2019 and 2020, and also led in ERA and wins in 2020, his best season in that league. So he is he is a pitcher coming from Japan. He is as good as you're going to see. Of yeah. course, he's not as good of a pitcher in that league because uh, Roki Sasaki, I think, is his name. He is the young phenom fireballer who sits at 100 miles an hour in that league, who is taller than Sanga, bigger than Sanga, throws harder than Sanga. He is the guy, but Sanga's the guy posting right now. And Sanga is someone who I think is a major league pitcher for sure. I I kind of think of him like a souped-up Kenta Maeda with a worse okay. breaking ball but significantly better fastball. And it's because that fastball is actually legit. A lot of times when you when pitchers come over from Asia, the, the fastball isn't as good because that league just doesn't simply demand as much velocity. But... His fastball, Senga, has picked up plenty of velo over the last few years. It jumped from 92, 93 miles an hour to 96, 97 in the last two, three years, and now has gotten over 100 at times, like Mike Mayer said on Twitter. The movement also just, like, doesn't really look great. It's not exactly a bat-missing pitch, which kind of plays into why his strikeout rate in Japan was just better than average rather than being elite, elite, elite. It's just... It's not flat. It has some of the rising action we want to see, but the plane is just not... It, it, the plane makes it look look hittable. And maybe it just seemed more hittable because the Japanese swing is different than the mechanics of a major league swing where the guys start higher, I feel like, and kind of come to the ball quicker mm-hmm. rather than the major leagues who has a stronger load and players look for more power. But I would I would like to see how that bears itself out in, against major league hitting and in major league games. But that fastball is legit, and it is better than most fastballs that come over from Asia, the uh, the KBO and the MPB. One thing, though, is that his fork ball, which I now in the CNR knows, auto-corrected the football, which is pretty hilarious. <laughs> but that is his out pitch. They say it disappears. It's just it's just a really, really dominant hard splitter. Think of it the, that way. And the, They call it the ghost ball, I believe. Yeah, because it, it disappears. And he still throws in the mid-80s, high-80s at times. And the pitch, it disappears. It's a ghost ball. It's... It's a pitch that will be a major league out pitch. I'm very sure of that. And that's why with those two pitches together, the fastball that throws very is thrown very hard and with at least okay 50th percentile movement, the floor here, even if you sign him to a long-term deal and things go wrong, the floor is a very, 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 very good high leverage reliever. Worst yeah. case scenario, you're buying that, sure. And that's because his slider and his cutter, his two breaking balls, we'll call them, are not exactly missable pitches. The slider is just... It kind of breaks downward rather than side to side. It's on basically one plane, and it doesn't look like it's that hard of a pitch to track, especially, I don't know. Just looking at the videos of it, it's hard for me to explain and put into words right now, but it's just, it's not, it doesn't look like it's great. But Senga has said repeatedly that he's interested in learning from Major League Club, interested in playing a big market, interesting in getting the amount of data that Major League Clubs have access to, which I think is a very, very good thing for a pitcher like that. But on the other side of that, he is 29 years old already. He's going to be 30 on opening day. He's just 6 feet tall, 180 pounds, so a bit slight for what you'd want from a frontline pitcher. And he has a very, very violent release. He comes to the plate very hard, which makes me think, especially the fact that he missed a few weeks last year with elbow tightness, that he is a guy who's probably a little bit more prone to injury than the current scouting reports would lead you to believe. Something that's funny about him that I learned just like doing a lot of like minutia-based research is that he apparently, this was just a rumor that was perpetuated from some MVP uh, journalists, was apparently benched during this past season because he 
was not throwing as much fat and many fastballs as his manager wanted. Okay, how many fastballs did he throw? Forty-five percent. That feels like high, 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 high fastballs. But the MPB, and we know this from Shohei Otani's courtship at the major leagues, they are much more old school, much more conservative. They don't. They want their players to be a little bit more traditional. And I guess Senga apparently wasn't like that. But Senga, a guy who's been so good for the last few years, very clearly what has eyes set on Major League Baseball, was very clearly fine-tuning his game towards Major League Baseball, and is a guy who I think does probably have a little more ceiling than what his play was in Japan, just based on the way he plays, the way he thinks, the way he's acted so far. And I want, for all this data, I want to shout out, Mark says I never shout these guys out, I want to shout out Jim Allen, at J Ball Allen, for his incredible blog, on his own blog, about Kodai Senga, and he's an NPB Twitter personality and journalist. He gave great content. And if you guys want to learn more about Kodai Senga, look that blog up, look his Twitter account up, Jim Allen, J Ball Allen, because it was a very, very, very informative blog. He was by hand creating the run value in Kodai Senga's pitches, getting the percentiles for the run value and the whiff rate in Kodai Senga's pitches. Help me give all this data to you guys. Jim Allen, shout him out. Can you guys tell that James likes talking about pitching by a any lot. chance? I go, <laughs> so hey, we'll talk about him quickly. He's just like, I got like three minutes. And it was a action-packed three <laughs> minutes of no breaths, lots of, lots of information, anecdotal evidence as well in there mm-hmm. with some stories. That's what you get on the Mets Up podcast. You get the full story. We're, we're, we're real baseball analysts here. We're trying, we're, you know, we're trying to bring the old school to the new school, as they say. Exactly. And speaking of which, last bit of actual Mets information here before we bring John in, because we haven't talked to John in a while, so we got to catch up with him. Mets hired a new director of hitting, Jeff Albert. Love it. Great. Great. Jeff Albert was uh, cut from the Astros cloth a few years ago. He came on with the Cardinals over the last four years. The Cardinals have actually had some shockingly good hitting development over the last four years, too. And Jeff Albert is someone who seems to be committed to data. It's in his LinkedIn bio that he wants to combine nice. you know, yeah, biometrics with data, with baseball analysts, analysis. So love Jeff Albert. Hope to maybe have him on the pod Ooh. along with Matt Yeagers in the future. What? Yeah, Eric Yeagers. Eric, Eric Yeagers. Yeager. I said Matt, sorry. Uh, Eric Yeagers, Ben Zausmer. Uh, it's 11 p.m. Jeff, for everyone Jeff listening. Albert, Jeff Albert, Jeremy Hefner, any of the, any of the, anybody with the Mets, especially the really, really smart guys, we want to talk to you. Let's pick your brain a little bit. 100%. So shout out the shout out the Mets front office too because while there is a luxury tax and the de facto salary cap of the players on your team, there is no cap on the spending on your coaches or your data acquisition services. So tip our caps to the organization for getting the best coaches that they think in this facility at a high rate. All right, let's bring Johnny in. John Barron, we've been missing you. You've been a Johnny Fairweather podcast over here. How you been, uh, John? I don't know like, if I'd say Johnny Fairweather. I mean, I've missed you guys last week. And his internet crap. you got to be kidding me. Freaking old man John can't even get a podcast off. Just for the listeners at home, I took, I, took, I took John to one Rangers game just as a thank you for all the great work he did for us this year, and he hasn't showed up since. Wow. So last time we get him a gift. First of all, that's not true. We were together a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Uh, second of all, we'll be together next week. Um, yeah, you know, the Long Island Railroad just wasn't cooperating last week. I was on my way to Rangers Islanders, which that was my mistake for even <laughs> deciding to go there. Heartbreaking After the loss. Rangers caught absolutely terrible. A lot of Islanders fans in the garden. So that was uh, a situation I didn't really want to be in. I, I was much better off uh, hanging with you guys. But, um, yeah, you know, I've been busy. I've been hanging around. There was one thing I wanted to say to you guys last week that uh, obviously I wasn't a part of the show. <laughs> be so timely now. But- <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, you know, I have I have some I have some show and tell. I was I was there on hand for game six, okay? okay. Game six of what, John, there. for all of our listeners not on YouTube. 
Uh, that's correct. I always need to be reminded for game six of the 2022 World Series. Oh, the really Phillies specific. Cool. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was there. Okay. Astros win the World Series. Great. It should be a massive celebration, right? For sure. The entire town of Houston, or at least downtown, I can't speak about the, the suburbs, shut down at 2 a.m. on the night that their team wins a World Series. And to make matters worse, it was daylight savings. When it hit 2 a.m., it went back to 1 a.m. And they ha- that was a built-in excuse to keep the party going for an extra 60 minutes of fun. Nope. Every place shut down. And I don't know if I'm going to ever get over it. I just, you know, when, not if, when our Mets win the World Series, I know for a fact New York City will be going throughout the entire night, us, Vito, all the other Met faithful out there. There will be no sleep. It'll be an 86-hour um, yeah. party. Yes. 86-hour I mean, party. I know in South Carolina when we had daylight savings and the, the fall back time, that was like the bars were like an extra hour to make money that we didn't previously make before. It was like, oh, the bars normally close at 2. It's 1 o'clock again. They're still open. You guys can stay out as long as you would like now. Ohio's, you got to stay open. Ohio State as well. I distinctly remember game days in the beginning of November. It was usually right after we beat Penn State because it happened basically every year and right before we beat Michigan. There'd just be a game against like an Indiana, Maryland, uh, a team, a bad team like that, and it would just be like, all right, two, back to one, or three, back to two, another hour. There you go. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Put on the Indiana. You're talking about the number 12 ranked Indiana basketball Hoosiers. Uh, is that there who you're referring is. to there, James? Shout, shout out to the Indiana football team for going <laughs> over seven and a half points last week. <laughs> that was a big one. Did you guys, did you guys catch uh, this weekend, because we were talking about other sports, at the Garden specifically, the UFC mm. fight that was going on, the Adesanya card. Mm-hmm. There's this guy, Matt Frivola, apparently a diehard Met fan. So, Matt, this is an open invitation to you. He came out to Narco, Narco Edwin Diaz's song, and they made a big deal about it on the broadcast, which I think is kind of cool, too, to see like MMA UFC talking about the Mets, Edwin Diaz, and Narco, and how the song's basically taking the, storm by, or taking the country by storm. That's, that's the wording. Taking the country by storm, but should exclusively be by Mets fans and Mets faithful. That's that's the only way to ride. Matt Favola gets a pass because he, he he knocked the guy out too. It was an impressive impressive knockout. I was like, I didn't know what he was going to do. I don't really know that much about you know UFC, but he he knocked the guy out clean. Open invitation to you, Matt, to come on the Mets Up podcast. We'd love to talk to you about your experience in UFC. Also, UFC time. Just shout out to Cage Calculus. Yeah, shout out Cage Calculus. Well, you mentioned Narco. Um, I guess I think the Ohio State band was one of the first in the country they did. to kind of rip it off in, among the non-Mets entities. Besides, um, besides so William that was kind Contreras. Of, yeah. Well, yes, besides William Contreras. But that is a much different story to talk about. <laughs> uh, one of my best friends actually got married over the weekend and Narco played. And um, that was probably the most poppin' part of the wedding, to use, uh, to use a term from uh, a cool term, like <laughs> I do. Um, like no cap, James, what do you think about the term no cap? I, I think that everyone in this, in this chat right now, especially you, John, are significantly too old to say that. Is this, is this why you put well, on your hat, John, for no cap? I, I did. I did. So, you know, now that the season's over, estimate is going to have to wait until, uh, until opening day of next year for us to get that going again. But obviously what we do here was we have fun. So we we're brainstorming some ideas. We're going to play a new game called No Cap. And, guys, I haven't even told you this. I was thinking, though, by myself, privately. And nothing goes better with a cap than a uniform. So here's my thought. Here's my thought. My thought is 
You guys pony up some money each episode, and we play this. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys both five statements, and you need to tell me if it's a true or a false statement. And the loser of that episode... Five every like, episode? Know, <laughs> That's a big commitment five for you, statements. John. Five statements. Not, not, I'm not throwing five dollars. Five statements. So... I'll, th- I'll throw you guys both five statements. You both need to tell me is it's true or it's false. It's going to be ranging. It's not just going to be baseball. It's not just going to be Mets. could be anything. And you'll see what I mean by that. Okay. Um, All right. some, mon- some money will go into a pool. And as we get closer, because I know Mark has the Trevor May jersey, the infamous Trevor May jersey, we will let the fans decide which one of you buys a uniform. And they could pick. It could be a Met of past, present, future it could be a funny word i don't care what it is on the back <laughs> and you guys have to wear it around city field in 2023 okay so, so we're betting right. money and we're betting embarrassment correct that's the best way to do these things i believe yeah I mean, <laughs> all right what do you want to use that mets connection to get a free mets jersey with no, some random name not. on the back absolutely not <laughs> gotta no. pay for that one it'd be way too easy yes no this is much more fun for all right here's with, all right, with so, those statements all right, Mark, I'm, you're going to go first here. You were talking NBA. You've been watching a lot of NBA. So here's your first cap or no cap statement. Chris Paul leads the NBA in assists per game this season. Cap or no cap? Uh, no cap. Was that even That's mean? cap. It's actually Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, man, I thought it was going to be... Oh, wait, no cap means... Oh for one. Dang it, I think I misunderstood the question. There you go. <laughs> or how to yeah, play you know this why? game. Because we're, we're too old to understand this, con- this statement. 26. No right. cap means... Means it's true and cap means it's false. Yes. Okay, all right, James, yes. you're up yes. now. Yes. I'm up. All right, Tyler Anderson had the lowest average exit velocity against among pitchers with at least 250 batted balls in play in 2022. Ooh, no cap. That is correct. Ah, oh, you give him a Topical. baseball one. Topical today. Don't worry, it's going to be fair back and forth. All right, <laughs> for you, Puppet Master John. Here we go. For Mark, Curtis Granderson led the 2015 Mets in home runs. Cap. That is correct. It was Lucas Duda. Lucas Duda, yeah. That's where I was going there, yes. Okay, back on the board. Oh, this is pain. All right. All right, very good. All right, James, for you. The Mariana Trench, located in the Pacific Ocean, is the deepest oceanic trench on Earth. No cap. Oh, fuck. That is correct. Damn it. I knew that one, too. Uh, <laughs> Did you tr- actually know that one? I'm a, I'm a trench man. I know that useless fact. <laughs> I'm a trench man. Yeah, this guy's in the trenches. All right. Mark wishes Mark, in the trenches. Mark, for you. A chef's hat is made with 100 pleats traditionally, representing the 100 different ways you can cook vegetables cap or no cap cap there's no way there's a hundred pleats in a chef's hat that thing's not that big it's a cylinder well there are a hundred pleats but it's to represent the 100 ways you can cook, cook an egg. egg so there so there you, is cap so you can cook an egg a hundred ways hundred ways that's why the chef's has a hundred pleats I, that mark should lose because of that a hundred ways to cook an egg the fact James that Mark said yeah. there weren't 100 and then gave the right answer with the wrong reason, <laughs> they should lose that point. Winner. All right, James, for you. Mm-hmm. Christian Yelich hit more ground balls than anyone else in Major League Baseball this season. No cap. 
Oh, it's Cap. Yes. Cap. On the board. Vlad Guerrero Jr. Oh, at the most, 280. Sneaky. Vladdy, okay. Yes, Christian Yelich was up there. We've the both oh. gotten one wrong. Yes. Yeah. Ob- Top and plus 23 so far in the next game tonight was just uh, just was taken out of the game for Julius Randle. Okay. Shout out Tom Thibodeau. Hmm. All right. So you both have one more here. Okay. Um, all right, James. Or excuse me, Mark. Here you go. The book, The Cat in the Hat, was originally written as a bet between Dr. Seuss and his editor. What? Where's my baseball question? Um, I'm going to go with, that's Cap. Dr. Seuss was was doing it because he just wanted money. It was Cap for a different reason, but it was Cap. And the big, the big, uh, the big clause here, it was actually uh, Green Eggs and Ham was what the bet was uh-huh. over. Where'd you yeah. find these facts? I, we're, we're, doing I this, a- we're doing this every episode? <laughs> might we might not. Put some pressure on James here, though. Put some pressure on him here. All right. All right, here we go. Okay, James. The Top Thrill Dragster in Cedar Point, Ohio, is the tallest roller coaster in the world. No cap. Oh, that's cap. It's cap. Yeah. King to Ka, right? King to Ka. Come mm, on, it hit, it hit your two your two places, New Jersey and Ohio. You got you're not a roller coaster man though. I'm a huge roller coaster man. I never made to Cedar Point though. You didn't go to Cedar Point and you went to Ohio State? I know, I was just busy. That's you fumbled the bag on that one. You're I an did. excursion man too. No, I'm, I'm a huge excursion man. <laughs> well, I guess well, I win the uh, first Mark, Mark wins. Let's go. I win. We'll see, we'll see if this sticks. Uh, you guys at home can let us know through reviews on the podcast, through the YouTube comments, through Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. I'm sure this is going to be turned into a TikTok. Just know that uh, your boy won the first ever iteration of No Cap, and it whatever maybe it is. is the only one. We'll see. We'll see how this one goes. But I, I like winning, so let's keep doing it. Why not? I, can't I just want to see James in a hat. Vito putting a... Wait, animated what? hat on James. An animated hat. All right, put the animated hat on. Maybe a chef's hat with a hundred pleats. I don't know. Maybe one. It's of those. crazy that Mark was so vehemently wrong about that. And he still got credit for it. It's, <laughs> listen, when you're hot, you're hot, man. I'm back on a hot streak. My cold streak is dead. I'm on a heater right now, so I'm feeling good. I don't think that's true. Oh, I'm on a heater. I'm on a heater. But anyway, speaking of a heater, I think this is a perfect place for us to uh, end this episode, John. Thank you for hanging out. Appreciate you. Miss See you guys next week. Thank you guys for listening on this crazy episode. It was all over the place, but that's what happens sometimes with the Mets Up podcast. Appreciate you guys. Make sure you're following us on all our social media at Mets Up on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. YouTube videos on the New York Mets YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, download the podcast. Make sure you sign up for those auto downloads. We really do appreciate it. Follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. And follow me at Giraffe Neck Mark with a C. Thank you, guys. And we'll talk to you on a, a big number episode, episode 150. See you guys next time. Peace. See you next time. Peace out, guys. Get up. Get, get up. Get up.